Welcome to Becoming Today. You are listening to episode 112. We are going to be going over the sixth step of the Spiritual Surrender series, where today we will talk about believing. We will get to learn how to continue to absolutely believe in our desired outcome, yet be able to let go of our attachment to it. Welcome to Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. We are your hosts, Tawny Beardall and Erica Peterson. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. I'm so glad you're here with me today. My name is Tawny Beardall. Hopefully, you feel like you've gotten to know me so far. I'm loving this series. It's kind of funny because each episode just brings a different emotion or feeling to the service for me. And this episode feels a little different than the other ones. And it's strangely the hardest topic for me to discuss in this series. I was thinking about it. And I really think it's because I have been so intensely focused on the letting go side of things, on just trusting in God's plan for me that I've noticed myself not even planning or dreaming for what I want in the future. And that's something that I'm personally wanting to evaluate myself and to try to discover where this is coming from. I like a little honest self-evaluation here and there. So if I'm being real, I think it all is coming from just a defense mechanism. I've been burned and hurt pretty bad. So it seems a little bit scary for me to try to make plans for my future when I've seen that those plans didn't work out at all. But as I've been studying and pondering about this concept of believing this week, it's really gotten my wheels turning. It has me wanting to commit to start dreaming again, because I know that God ultimately wants me to be happy and to have amazing experiences in this life, to live life to its fullest. And I have such a zest for life. I just love this earth. I want to experience everything I can while I'm here. And I still have so much that I haven't done yet that I want to see and do. So it's time to believe that it is possible. But I still want to hold fast to the entire statement of step number six, which Laura Brotherson, who wrote the article about this series, she just laid it out really great for us. She said to believe in the desired outcome, yet make sure to let go of our attachment to it. So today we're going to first dive into the concept of believing. What does that really mean and how can we do it? And then we're going to touch on letting go of our attachment to it, which basically means how can we do that and still be okay when things don't go the way we envisioned that they would. When I think about believing in our desired outcome, the word manifestation comes to mind. This has been one of those buzzwords the last few years, right? Well, maybe honestly, it's been more than the last few years because I remember first hearing this concept when it was explained to me by using the phrase, the law of attraction. This process is the focus of a 2006 best-selling book called The Secret, which ended up selling more than 30 million copies. That's incredible. So essentially, manifestation is bringing something tangible into your life through attraction and belief. So basically, if you think about something, then it will come. 
However, there is more to manifestation than just willpower and positive thinking. Manifesting is making everything you want to feel and experience a reality. And you do this through your thoughts, your actions, beliefs, and emotions. It's all about committing to your intentions and living with clarity to make it a reality. And I do fully believe in this process. I believe it so deeply because I believe that we are all creators. We have the ability to create whatever life we want for ourselves. But these big dreams and aspirations need to start somewhere. And that is with our thoughts. We've talked about this in different episodes in the past where we've discussed with life coaches as well as psychologists that our thoughts are so incredibly important. Gandhi explained it perfectly when he said, your beliefs become your thoughts, your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, your actions become your habits, your habits become your values, your values become your destiny. Isn't that so great? We need to be ultra aware of our thoughts because they will end up leading us to our reality. The positive or negative thoughts you feed yourself will inevitably shape the outcome of your life. If I'm being honest, manifestation can feel a little bit phony to me sometimes. And maybe phony is not the best word for it, but it just doesn't seem tangible enough for me. I'm an action-based person. So I know in my heart that manifesting is more than just speaking my hopes and dreams and crossing my fingers that it's gonna come to fruition. I just want to get to work. I want to put in the effort to get myself where I want to be. And that's one of the reasons why I became a hairstylist. It's because I love a really good before and after. I love that I can have someone walk into the salon and then transform them in a matter of hours. It simply took a vision of what they wanted and my know-how and then executing the task to get them there. Do you see how it all had to start with a vision first though, or an idea? This is where I want to go back to the fact that we are all creators. Before we can create something physically and make it a reality in our lives, we have to begin with a vision, or I've heard it explained as a spiritual creation first. It all starts with this idea, a visual or a plan. And I want you guys to know that God uses the same exact outline in creation. If you go back and read in Genesis 1 about the creation of the world, each day of creation begins like this. It says, God said, let there be light. And then a different day of creation, it says, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after his kind. So if you hear the word said, that's what's repeated every time before he creates which is basically him formulating the thought or the vision. Then the next step of creation is when he confirms that thought by saying, God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. Or God made the beast of the earth after his kind. So now he's putting his idea into action. God showed us the way by example. And then he even left us a framework of how to do this ourselves in the scriptures. The scripture that I really want to focus on today is in Doctrine and Covenants, section 88, verse 119. I'll just read it to you. Organize yourselves, prepare every needful thing, and establish a house, even a house of prayer, a house of fasting, a house of faith, a house of learning, a house of glory, a house of order, a house of God. 
I want you guys to pay particular attention to that first line. There are three steps, the verbs, the to-do words. These words are specifically placed in the order that we need to follow to create and then fulfill our vision. So again, it says, organize yourselves, prepare every needful thing, and establish a house. So we need to organize, prepare, and establish. Those are our three steps. So let's talk about the first step, which is to organize. And like I said before, it all has to start with a plan. We need to get a vision of what we want our life to look like. So I want you guys to do just that. Think of what you want to strive for in your life. Stand for. Think about what your goals are. It may help to try to think of it this way. Think about organizing as a blueprint. When I built a home, we had to have an architect drop a plan for the vision that we had. And that plan included the lot, the elevation of the house, the foundation, and the floor plan. Everything had to be in order before we could begin to dig the hole for that foundation. You can't just start by diving in and digging the hole and then say, oh, don't worry, we'll handle the plans later. It really just doesn't work that way. In fact, once you get started on building a house, the blueprint will be on site at all times. So anyone coming to work on the house has that plan in front of them that they can see, that they can follow. Having a vision or a belief for what you want beforehand is vital to the success of your desires. Not only is that type of vision important, but also the way that we choose to perceive our situation is imperative to our happiness. So dream, you guys. Dream big. Make plans. Create the bucket list. Start the blueprint for what you want your life to look like and refer back to it every single morning before you start your day. Believe that it will be possible for you. Being the creator of our own lives requires these three steps. And so, okay, we just talked about organizing, which basically means to see what we want, right? The next step is to prepare. This is the how-to step. We get to decide how to make our vision become a reality. If we want to stick to the house example, we would say that this step is the lumber and the bricks of our plan. How can we become emotionally converted enough to our vision that we begin making these steps towards achieving it? I think we need to pray for the strength and the inspiration we need to put it into action. Study the steps it will take to make it work. I want you to consider even enlisting the help of those who you know have already accomplished the goal that you're interested in achieving. I also like really doing many steps for yourself along the way to keep you on target to creating what you want your life to look like. Start building the foundation that will be necessary to make this a reality for you. It has been said that consistency will bridge the gap from where you are to where you want to be. So it's all about the consistent small and simple steps that you take towards your goals. But I want you guys to keep in mind that this step of preparation is not solely action-based, but it also requires a lot of mental preparation and mental strength as well. It's all about how we choose to feel about our situation. We can show up with positivity, gratitude, and optimism, or we can show up with frustration, negativity, and pessimism. The emotions that you allow into your heart will end up creating how you feel. You need to be aware of that fact that those thoughts will entice a positive 
or a negative breeding ground, which will then lead to how we act. And that brings me to the last step of the scripture, which is to establish. Basically, to establish means to do it, to put your gloves on and get to work. These simple elements end up creating everything in our life. The way we perceive something influences how we feel about that particular situation. And then that leads to the way that we will proceed, meaning our actions. And those singular moments make up the results of our entire lives. We are the creators of our lives. We get to choose if we're going to be happy and fulfilled in our lives. Okay, you guys may be thinking, Tani, that's not entirely true. Sometimes we're just dealt a difficult hand. Even if we follow these steps, we can't control a lot of what happens in our lives. But I'm going to pitch you a possible unpopular opinion, and that is that the circumstances of our lives don't really matter. Trust me, I have lived this exact same experience and chosen to look at it differently, and I've been totally happy, satisfied, and fulfilled in the same situation. So no matter what really difficult circumstances or even amazing circumstances you may be placed in, simply controlling your thoughts will lead to a positive or a negative outcome of your life. Okay, you guys, there's this pretty hilarious story that I heard at church a couple weeks ago that really supports this thought. This story was originally famously told by President Ronald Reagan, and it concerns two twins. So these twin boys were around the age of six, and these boys had developed such extreme personalities that really began to worry their parents. They were total opposites. One was an absolute optimist. He was happy and giggling all the time. He made the best of every situation. He was just so delightful to be around. And then the other twin was a total pessimist, crying and whining about everything, finding bad and just the little things, the big things. He just really, really struggled to be happy. The parents of these twins began to get quite concerned about the difference in their personalities. So they took their twins to a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist asked the parents to bring the twins and he had this wonderful idea that was going to totally help these boys just marginal, that was going to totally help balance the boys. And he decided to start by treating the pessimist. He wanted to brighten his outlook. So the, so the psychiatrist took him into a room that was just piled to the ceiling with brand new toys, super fun, bright, shiny toys. And they, he decided to leave him in this room for an hour. And he just knew that there couldn't possibly be a chance that he would find anything wrong with this awesome situation. Then next, the psychiatrist decided to find a way to hinder the optimist, to kind of bring him back down to earth, right? To dampen his outlook. And the psychiatrist took him into a room that was just piled to the ceiling with horse manure. They stuck that twin in the manure, thinking that there could be no way that he could find good in that circumstance. When the hour timer ended, they thought they would check on the pessimist twin first, who had been playing with that room full of toys. They expected to be greeted with all sorts of smiles and joy. Instead, when they opened the door, they found that the boy was in tears. And the psychiatrist asked, what's the matter? He was just baffled at his state of mind. Didn't you have fun playing with all of these new toys? 
And the little boy said, no, and he was just bawling. I was afraid I would break them or someone would come take them all away from me. And then he said, I wanted to play with this truck, but it's red and I wanted a blue truck. He just had all of these excuses. And although that wasn't the response that the psychiatrist hoped for or expected, he was almost sure that the optimist twin would change his attitude after being trapped in a room full of manure for an hour. But when they opened the door, instead of finding him crying in disgust, the optimist was shouting with delight. The old boy was just running around, throwing manure in the air, rolling in it and gleefully digging out scoop after scoop of manure with his bare hands. What do you think you're doing, the psychiatrist asked. He was actually more baffled by the optimist than he had been by the pessimist. And the little boy said, well, with all of this manure... There must be a pony in here somewhere. I think that is so cute. When you guys find yourself in difficult conditions, think about how you are ultimately the creator of your life and simply remind yourself, there's just got to be a pony in here somewhere. Oh, I just think that's so darn cute. We get to choose our outlook. Our circumstances don't matter. It's all about our outlook. This story really reminds me of an experience that Erica and I had when we went to Puerto Rico on a trip last year, and I had to bring her on to talk about it. It was actually really eye-opening for us, and it's something we go back to and talk about a lot. I just want to welcome Erica on so she could do this little story with me real quick. Hey, I'm so excited to be on so that we can tell this fun story that we talk about quite a bit. (laughs) Seriously, it's the best. Okay, so I'm going to set the scene for you guys. So we were in Puerto Rico, and we heard about these bio bays. And so if you've never heard of what a bio bay is, I'm going to give you a little background. So bio bays are special areas where there's a high concentration of bioluminescent microorganisms. And they have a super cool name. Are you ready for this? (laughs) I love this. It's called dinoflagellates and they are little teeny microorganisms that plankton eat and they're so so little but these bays have like a super high concentration of them and it's so rare they live in the whole ocean but this concentration makes it so that you can actually see them so they light up when there's movement and there's only five bioluminescent bays in the whole world and three of them are in Puerto Rico which is crazy it's a small island but we heard about this so we were like okay we're gonna go do this so we went and we hired a company to let us do a kayaking excursion and we were so excited about it so you go like just before sunset and you get in a kayak and you have like little glow sticks on your kayak and like just going kayaking to this place in in the dark in the dark is so cool you go in this little teeny river that has these mangroves surrounding you which okay mangroves are also super cool the top of the tree so is magical. the roots and then they come down and drink the water it's crazy and I felt like I was like on an Indiana Jones excursion or something. Yes. Like, like it was really so cool, neat. really pretty. There's and like the sun is setting, but you can still see some animals mm-hmm. and 
So you're like getting to see all this stuff and you're in this really secluded area. There's no like buildings around or anything like that. And you paddle your way for like an hour into the island and then you arrive at the bio bay in the dark. Pitch black. Pitch black. And it depends on the time of year, the the moon phases, it depends on the tide, but you have these varying degrees of visibility. And we went on a night that was like not amazing, but we got to see these bioluminescent like sparkles in the water and like (laughs) me and Tawny were like screaming (laughs) so she put she to help us be able to see them since it was not a great visibility night she put a tarp over our head so that it like blocked out all the light and all of a sudden you can see these sparkles in the light and it's it's something that you can't really describe to other people but I'm I'm trying (laughs) and it's just magical like it really is what it's you just swirl your hand in a circle and then it's just like little fairy lights coming, like uh, fireflies just yes. kind of pop up. Oh, yes. And oh, if you've so ever amazing. seen fireflies, like you're like, this is magical. Like those things yeah. are magical. And then after we were in the bay, as we went back out into the little river, it actually became even more magical because yeah. the light was blocked even more in there. And you could see as you paddle each time, like all these sparkles and then like dripping off of your paddle you could see it in your hands it would like stay glowing for a second just these little teeny sparkles and you feel like your eyes are like lying to you it's just yeah so cool so magical if a fish swims by they light it up and they look like they're glowing that that was so cool so that was like it was just such a cool experience and even without the glowing bioluminescence it was still like a super cool adventure going kayaking in the night. And we were, you know, with each other, with our friends. It was just so fun. And then such an adventure. Yes. And I remember you asking the tour guide, like, what's the visibility tonight based on like a scale of one to 10. And I believe she said a three, right? Yes. Like a three. That's really not super great, but it was so cool anyways. And we luckily, we were shocked. Yeah. We would have thought we were, children we were just like oh my gosh this is amazing yes and we've been told okay like settle down your expectations because the pictures that you see are like a little bit overdone but we we toned down our expectations but we were still like blown away because we were witnessing something that is like so unique and we got to go do this super cool experience yeah it's once in a lifetime it really feels that way yes so anyway so we Paddle back takes us another hour and the whole way back you can still see this because it's really dark now It's really cool until you get to like the mouth of the opening where the ocean is and So so cool. So we get back we finally go through the the bay and we get parked and done and our we hooked up with some other people in our group and we get done and this is where the story becomes the same as what we just talked about so we had this really cool experience and we get, we get done and our guide's like, hey guys, like, how was it? How did you like it? And me and Tawny are like, awesome. Like, that was the amazing. best ever. And a girl next to us is like, it was the worst. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> I hated and, it. I hated, <laughs> I hated it. it. That's what she said. And we were looked at her like she was joking. I'm like, surely she's joking. And the guide looked at her, her face like, was not joking. Like, you must be joking because no one's ever said this to me. Yeah. 
anyway, so she, so <laughs> the guide keeps talking and she's like, whatever. But then as we continued to listen to this girl afterwards, she was serious. She hated it. <laughs> and we she was just, talking to her boyfriend and she said it was exhausting and it felt like an army mission. Like it was a, so scary and horrible <laughs> and all so much work. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Why was it so much work? Can someone just take us there? <laughs> it's like so ridiculous. And Tawny and me are listening to this girl. First of all, we like secretly want to go up to this boyfriend and be like, dump her. Run. She's the worst. <laughs> Run the other way. She's this clearly, would be your life. This is clearly like zero ability to be impressed by anything. So anyways, but we just were like floored at somebody getting to do, even without the sparkly bioluminescent that's only in three, like five places in the whole world, even without that, it was a super cool experience. Yeah. And then she just like hates it because that's (laughs) how she's looking at it. It was just crazy to see how this is so similar. And this is why we talk about this so much, because it's really that concept of like looking at your glass half full or your glass half empty. Like this glass is already full and she's looking at it like, oh my gosh, I just hate getting wet. You know, like I, she's looking at the room full of manure instead of there's got to be a pony in here. Like that story is so perfect. But this is a perfect example of just, taking whatever scenario that is going on around you and trying to see the positive. And if you're, if you're constantly in this mindset of needing more evidence of awesomeness or whatever, like if you're not easy to please and you're so negative constantly, like you're going to miss out on some magic. Like there was actual magic. I mean, this is an incredible, unique experience and she missed it. And it wasn't because she wasn't there. She missed it because of her mindset. That was so perfectly said, Erica. Obviously, the attitude is what mattered the most. She could have had an amazing experience if she chose to just focus on the little details that were so fascinating and magical. I come back to this a lot just to remind myself that what am I missing out on here? What am I not seeing because I'm just grumpy or not in the mood or looking at the hard stuff? Because yeah, it was work. It was exertion, but it was so amazing. So keeping that perspective and everything we do in life is going to alter our reality. It's going to alter how we show up. And I often think about, you know, that boyfriend we talked about. I wonder what he thought. I want to be a person that people enjoy being around that will make everyone else's experiences more elevated rather than just dragging people down like that. So that's just something I keep in mind. I want to have that for myself, but I also want to be that positivity and excitement for other people as well. Oh, totally. A few months ago, I had heard somebody say the difference between happiness and joy was about being present. Mm -hmm. And I really felt like that is a big problem for myself and for many people today, just because we are so constantly pulled to our devices, to getting things done, to so many things. And, and when we forget to like be present in the moment, that really can poison things for us instead of making them more beautiful and magical. So I think that's one, yeah. one key thing. And then I just wanted to share that like since then, I've actually been back to that BioBay two more times and have seen, seen even more incredible visibility with those bioluminescence 
but I still view that first experience as so magical and each time is so magical because that's just how I wanted to look at it. It was something that was a great experience and so fun each time. And I'm, I'm glad and there, I know there's many experiences that I haven't had that same attitude because I was concentrating on the things that were not as great. So yeah. um, anyways, fun story, but I hope that that helps you kind of think about that. Yeah, one more great example for us here. Okay, I hope those stories help you guys recognize that our circumstances really don't matter. We need to remind ourselves what actually does matter. And again, that's how you choose to see, think, and act, right? It goes along with those three steps of organizing, preparing, and establishing. If you don't like something in your life, change it. You're the creator of your own life. If you don't like a circumstance that you may feel trapped in, change the way you see it. Change the way you feel about it. Change the way you handle your circumstance. Believe that you can have the life you want. But remember, your happiness has nothing to do with your circumstance. It has everything to do with your perspective and your attitude. So that was how I chose to focus in on believe. And I feel like, okay, I feel motivated to start changing my thought process here. But now I want to get into the letting go part of the episode. I really like what Laura Brotherson shared in this segment. She said, continue to absolutely believe in your desired outcome, but let go of any expectations or any emotional attachment to an outcome. Totally believe, but be okay if it doesn't happen. Your faith needs to out-endure the circumstances for as long as it takes. Hope and faith is believing you'll receive your desired outcome or something even better. It is your faith alone that will be the assurance to support your desired belief. Faith is the evidence or proof when you may have a bunch of evidence to the contrary. This step of believing and even assuming awesomeness is vital to the surrender process, and it keeps you in a hopeful, faith-filled state rather than the easier, hopeless state of giving up. Rather than the surrender feeling hopeless, it is very hopeful. The object here is to thrive regardless of the outcome. I totally believe, but I totally don't need. So I want to just simplify what she's saying here. To me, it means that you have a choice between surrendering by submission without faith, which will inevitably leave you in a state of hopelessness or resignation. And that's not good. That doesn't feel good. To me, that always left me feeling indifferent or just wanting to give up. Or we can proceed by submission with faith, which is a very healthy and beautiful way to spiritually surrender and to have peace in your life. I've spent months contemplating spiritual surrender and how to do it with grace and positivity. And I've just repeatedly had the talk, come what may and love it, just come to my mind. It's done by Joseph B. Worthlin. And I really have to recommend that you guys look it up. I had a great time reading through it. In fact, I was at a cabin with a bunch of friends reading it, and I was laughing out loud a couple of times that they were like, what are you reading? He's funny. Elder Worthlin really handles this topic with so much humor and optimism. He begins by talking about a tough loss that he experienced while he was playing football in his youth. He was really discouraged, and he was upset by it. And the advice that his mother gave him was simply, come what may and love it. She was a wise mother. 
She taught him to trust himself, to not blame others for their misfortunes, to give his best in every effort, in everything he attempted. I really love her counsel. If we do our very best and then control what we can by our efforts, then we can let go of our desired outcome with the ultimate attitude of come what may and love it. Elder Worthlin did a beautiful job of expounding on his mother's advice by saying, I think she may have meant that every life has peaks and shadows and times when it seems that the birds don't sing and the bells don't ring. Yet in spite of discouragement and adversity, those who are happiest seem to have a way of learning from the difficult times, becoming stronger, wiser, and happier as a result. When I was reading through his talk, I really appreciated the fact that he later goes on to say that he's not just suggesting to slap on a fake smile on your face and to pretend to be okay. He says, how can we love days that are filled with sorrow? We can't, at least not in the moment. But I don't think my mother was suggesting that we suppress discouragement or deny the reality of pain. I don't think she was suggesting that we smother unpleasant truths beneath a cloak of pretended happiness. But I do believe that the way we react to adversity can be a major factor in how happy and successful we can be in life. If we approach adversities wisely, our hardest times can become our greatest growth. If we approach adversities wisely, our hardest times can be times of greatest growth which in turn can lead towards times of greatest happiness, end quote. He suggests a few things that have helped him in times of trials and testing. In the talk, he expounds on all of them wonderfully. But for the sake of time and simplicity, I will just tell you these basic bullet points. He first suggested to learn to laugh. Okay, we all know how important that could be. It can seriously change an entire experience by just learning to laugh at it. Next, he asks us to seek for the eternal. If we have this eternal perspective, it changes our vision and how we want to proceed. He followed that by helping us understand the principle of compensation. And then lastly is learning to trust the Father and the Son. He says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The Lord Jesus Christ is our partner, helper, and advocate. He wants us to be successful. If we do our part, he will step in. And then Elder Worthlin concludes by saying, I know why there must be opposition in all things. Adversity, if handled correctly, can bring blessings into our lives. We can learn to love it. The simple secret is this. Put your trust in the Lord, do your best, and leave the rest to him. Oh, I think we can learn so much from this talk. It was really, really hard for me to pull a few of my favorite parts from his words to share with you. I honestly wanted to read the entire thing. So I really would suggest to print it off and read it regularly. Having this on your mind every day would help us so greatly in believing in our desired outcomes. But it will also give us the tools we need to let go of our attachment to it. We can make a decision to stay positive and optimistic to remember that there is a pony in here somewhere when we go through a really tough experience. For some people that comes naturally and they just are optimistic from birth, like that twin. But others of us have to work on creating that mindset. But I'm telling you, it is possible to train yourself to think differently. 
And we can all just embrace the motto of come what may and love it. Oh, thank you so much for being here with me today, my friends. You have no idea how much I appreciate your precious time and your support. Join us next week as we conclude with the seventh and final step, which is to surrender. Surrender the situation to God and let him do his divine work with you. Have a great week. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please click to subscribe and join us on Instagram. We'll see you next time on Becoming.